0: You're listening to Voices of Value, a selection of valuable insights designed to help you get more out of your professional and personal life through simple and easy-to-adopt life lessons. If you're keen to enjoy a better quality of life at work and at home, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton. Voices of Value, episode 13, with my good
1: friend Peter Kakos and a very special guest, Pete.
2: Thanks Rick, it's uh, absolute pleasure to have with us today uh, someone who I've grown enormously fond of and spent a fair amount of time with over the past few months as well, but uh, wanted to get her on because Bianca Chatfield is probably one of the most inspirational people that that I've ever Whoa. met. Yeah, okay, straight off the bat, like, okay, all right, she's a little bit inspirational, but, um, but Bianca Chatfield's got a wonderful, I think a wonderful story in turn when it comes from being an elite sports person. As well, and she's reached the highest of um, of highest heights, as well as now being um, being a media personality as well. well. So you
1: had a lot of association with her over the block, but uh, for some of our listeners who don't watch reality TV, let's just uh, really paint the picture about the quality of the guest we've got here. We're talking <laughs> an elite netballer, um, you know, played a high level from a very young age of sixteen uh, with the Phoenix, then the Vixens, won six premierships. Done
3: his research. <laughs> no one's.
1: Please, Bianca, no one loves uh, netball and is more over it than me, uh, <laughs> but uh, we're talking about an elite operative here who's played at the highest level, represented Australia, yeah, Commonwealth Games, World Championships, an absolute superstar. Bianca, thanks for joining us. Uh, I thought that deserved a bit more of an introduction than what Pete oh. was doing. Lack of research shows up, doesn't thanks, it?
3: Thanks, boys. And lucky for me, I'm on episode number 13, hey? Lucky, lucky 13. <laughs>
1: but Pete was saying to me, you know, if we could get Bianca, it would be great for another reasons, uh, none the least being the elite sporting stuff, but just who you are as an individual, what it takes to get there, and then uh, we want to do a two-part episode, if, if we can, in terms of the double interview, and we want to concentrate on what it takes to reach the absolute peak in your sporting sort of past, recent past, because you've only just sort of stepped out of the competitive <laughs> arena. Do you uh, know
3: what? It's just because it's nearly going on three years now, Wow! but to me that feels like an absolute lifetime. Like sometimes I look and watch netball on TV and I don't even feel like I ever did that. Is that right? And that's how quick it just kind of disappears.
1: So talk us through that. When you were a young girl, how, how far out did you know that this was going to be in your cards, that you wanted to sort of see how far you could take your netball career?
3: Do you know, I was never one of those dreamers. So I have an older sister, Nat, and she played a lot of netball. Yep. I Played every sport. I loved gymnastics. I loved horse riding. I did everything, and my family were just always about getting outside and being active. So I would watch my older sister play netball, and I'd watch, sit on the sidelines, and just get very bored and annoyed that you know she'd get all this attention for playing sport. And um, I just remember <laughs> her being a real emotional person when it came to the game. She was a shooter. She would get upset if she didn't, you know, if she missed too many goals that game. And I used to just be. A quiet spectator on the side and I used to watch how she would cope and how she'd react to situations and I just think why, why does she do that and why is she like that and I remember distinctly one day her saying I just want to play for Australia one day and me thinking really like, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, how hard is that going to be like as if you want to do that um, and so then it just kind of like it really grew inside me, this competitive spirit that I didn't realize I had, but when I watched her play, I started to get it. And then when I jumped on court myself, I started to, it really just fired me up. And I thought the one place that I actually feel the most confident within myself and being someone who was so tall as a young girl, you always you know stand out from the crowd and it's something that you can get you know quite low self-esteem about mm. being so tall. Yet when I was out there, whether it was playing basketball or netball, I had all this confidence And it just made me feel great. And I loved the competitiveness. And I loved, uh, I guess, having a sister who was two years older than me almost create my pathway because I would just follow her. So, you know, she'd make a state team and I'd be like, right, okay, that's my next goal is to make a state team. And even though, you know, now we're a lot older and, our careers are done. Nat never made the Australian team and I was that annoying little sister that just (laughs) kind of stepped over the top of her and then eventually played for Australia. But I think out of all of that, the thing that helped me the most was that I could de-emotionalise situations that I didn't Yes, it, the pressure would get to me at times, but I was able to kind of step back and not be so emotional about my own performances, which I think is what held me in great stead to be able to push through. And
1: if is I heard, that, yep, sorry, yeah.
2: So I was just going to say, is that so? Is that you became a leader um, very early on? So is that what you would say would be certainly one of the big leadership qualities has been to disassociate and be a little bit more analytical, do you think, about your game?
3: Yeah, and, and not so much about your game. It's about, um, I guess, knowing other people. And, and, and I have a real interest, and I know you do too, like being around people and learning from people. And especially, I think, females in this current landscape that we're in, Um, you can't be what you can't see, right? So in netball, I had these great leaders who would show me how to do things and I learnt so much from them and I could see the value in what they brought to the table. And, And again, it came back to how it made me feel. So I had one, you know, captain of the Australian team at one stage, wasn't a great people person and she made me feel pretty average when I was a part of that team and she made me feel like I didn't belong there yet then I had other captains who made me feel great and, and that made me perform better. So it was almost it came down to what, how people make you feel and then the influence that I could have on people and how I could make them feel. And you're always going to get the best out of people when you make them feel good about themselves and when you concentrate on the positives rather than, you know, whinging or talking about the negatives all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. and it sounds to me like you know, if I heard anything there in that opening sort of uh, information share, you didn't really find the game of netball, the game of netball found you, mm. you found a role model who was doing it and that created that competitive juice, which I think we can apply to all areas, everyone listening here can sort of find someone who's doing it well, uh, but in that sort of progress through of finding it, seeing it, believing it, understanding it, then you found your place where you just felt like you belonged. Yeah. And I'm like you, I, f- I feel like I stand out in the crowd when um, you know, I'm looking at how... <laughs> Lack of tall, <laughs> lack of height I have. Both um, of you, little yeah. Rick and little Pete. There we go. <laughs> I think we're going to get cats up. Am there I, there I allowed is. to say that? Is yeah. that, yeah. that appropriate? We thought it would take five minutes to get in there, but it got in there in the first few, <laughs> which is pretty cool. But what I'm really um, sort of hoping our listeners are getting out of that, Bianca, is that, you know, sometimes you don't have to have the clear pathway. Sometimes mm. it's not even knowing the path. It's just sometimes being aware of knowing when you belong on the path and therefore then finding out the best way you can progress your way through, which it sounds like you did from a pretty young age and then using your sister. As a role model that helps dramatically, yeah. I think, I think having a role model
2: is, is what we always talk about, isn't it? As, as massively important to what absolutely. you do, absolutely. Yep. But I think in this life now, we have so much choice in terms of who we want to follow these, um, mm. these Instagrammers and uh, great point, you know, and then who, who actually do we want to emulate, who do we want to follow, and you gravitate towards those people that I guess share the right sort of values. I think that's why you and I have become pretty close bees because I, I just Emulate and love your values that, that that you hold so strong and so dear to. I'm amazed at the the maturity that you showed from such a very early, a very young mm. age and very early on. Where do you think that stemmed from? Because it's a little unusual.
3: Well, yeah, and I think we've skipped over so much. Like I had, I don't want to. I don't want people to think that it was just an easy pathway or that I instantly had this great attitude about it all. Like, I didn't and I learned it along the way. But I think it's being open to the learning of it all and being okay with if you do make a mistake, it doesn't – you don't become riddled with fear about what you do next. That you actually go, okay, just accept it. I've got to move forward. How can I move forward? Um comes down to that whole problem solving approach and and I think when I flip it around and talk about the block experience that was one thing that I didn't realise I had in me so much was to face a problem, try and figure out how to get through it and then just move on on. whereas the block is a TV show based on drama and we couldn't give them that drama because we were too (laughs) problem solving about every little issue that came our way. Um, so I just think I, I just learned to be open-minded to probably the whole learning experience. And if I didn't know how to get through something or I was in a really bad place and I was struggling, it was about surrounding myself with those, whether they were role models or just people with an infectious personality that made you feel better about yourself is kind of like drawing, being drawn to them. Um, and athlete life is all about getting feedback all the time, positive and negative. And for some reason, as athletes, we crave more negative than what we want the positive. You can tell me I played great and that's all good, but how am I gonna be better next game? Mm. I want the one things that I can work on. Mm. And we always, you know, I, I find that in the normal world, in the business life, even on the block, A lot of people need the positives to make them feel great, and they need that to keep going. Whereas I needed the learning element of it all to help me keep going. Mm.
1: And sometimes we talk about the opportunity and the difficulty, and the greatest growth comes from the difficulty. And someone having the straight talk with you to say, "Hey, we value you. You're an important part of our team. When you do this, it's great. When you do that, maybe that's the area we need you to fix up, and maybe it's the area we need you to clean up, and maybe that's the area we think if you could do that, we all improve because that's the better version of you, Bianca, and that'll be the better version of us. And I think what I heard early doors was the leaders you really valued were the ones who gave you that sort of feedback.
3: Definitely. My first ever coach, so for Melbourne Phoenix, was a lady called Joyce Brown, yeah. who's, you know, an absolute great person, a legend You're of the game. still close with Joyce. Yeah. yeah, I'm still really close with Iconic. Joyce. But she was the one person that was very honest with me and I... She was my coach, so, you know, I couldn't do anything but listen to her. Mm. But she kind of kept proving to me that those consistent behaviours that you need and, and the performance that you need will get you through in the end. But I had to confront them. I had to, you know, understand when I wasn't fit enough. And I had to go and work on that. And she was the one person that I remember getting dropped from the Australian team and, you know, your parents are around you and yes, they're like, oh, you know, feeling sorry for you and, and, you know, tell you that you should be in the team and that's all nice to make you feel better, but that's not going to help you get back in the team. But Joyce sat me down and she knew me that well that she knew I needed a little bit of like, you know, kind of cuddling and make me sure I'm okay. And then when we get to the point, she then needed to push me on certain things. Was I fit enough? You know, was I the best defender at the time? Should I have been in the team when I looked at it from a different point of view? And it was kind of those moments that I will always remember for her guiding me in that way um, and being concerned enough about me and knowing me enough that she knew how to do it and get the best out of me. Mm. Um, And I think we all need someone like that in our lives, no matter what kind of area it is that you might find it, but we all need that person who can be 100% honest with us in the right way.
2: Absolutely, and be open to it as well. Yes. Yeah, because you're quite fortunate to be the right place at the right time, but I'd say when you're ready, the teacher appears. Absolutely. And I think well and true. Really in, in, in this sort of um, day and age, we've, we've just got to keep searching for that right person. I keep banging on about that, but it's just so important that if, not, if it's not right, it doesn't feel right, then you move on. Mm. Let's find that person where you connect with, where the, where the values are aligned. That's, that way the thinking and everything goes in sync yeah. And that's when we actually get some flow mm. in what we do and we're able to actually achieve far more. And it's
3: okay for that person to change over time too, because you do change in the needs that you have and, and what you're trying to do. And so that expert or the guidance might change. Mm. Um, and like Joyce has been a constant in my life, but she's also sometimes, you know, it's not her domain. It's not. You know, she's, she's kind of gives me advice, but it's not really her thing, or she doesn't really understand the whole picture. So then you have someone else that's guiding you in that world. So I think it's okay to have different mentors in whatever you're doing.
1: Oh, I think you have many voices, and it's the voices of value, not, not wanting to plug our podcast, but it's the value of that person that really makes the lesson far more easier to grasp. Like yeah. if, if Joyce is giving you some feedback, you know, you're going to listen because she's someone who's time tested with you, she understands you, she gets you. Let's tell her what she's doing well. Let's yeah. tell her where we think she can improve, and now let's give her the the link to, to, to go from where she is to where we wanted to get to. That's something that Joy. Um, we shouldn't skip over that. What an amazing teacher she is, let alone her coaching records speaks for itself. But yeah, you know, what a, what a great um, you know life mentor to have. I think the other thing I heard there, quite categorically, was was that you know you, you're not going to probably spend too much time on someone's opinion that you don't really value because mm. not not to say they don't have some currency, but it's not something you can get to hang up on because as Pete often talks. About one of my favorite quotes of his this year is, misery likes company. Mm-hmm. So sometimes negative, people find the negative in everything. So it's like, review my game. Well, let me tell you all the things you did wrong. Well, thanks. Now I feel uber excited about that, yeah. not. Whereas, you know, what Joyce is saying, look, here's where I think you did really well. Here's where I think you could improve. Now here's how we see you making that improvement. And then you go from, you know, being potentially a chance to do it to actually doing it, getting through the other side. And you're a very kinesthetic person. You sense it, you know it, you feel it. Like you just, you'll bake without a recipe, but you'll know it when you see it. You'll know it when you feel it. You'll know it when you're doing it and when you're in the flow. And so she was allowing you to get into the flow. So talk us through that. Talk us through what uh, what the flow feels like when you're in a game where, irrespective of what the scoreboard's saying, irrespective of who the opponents are, irrespective of how your game's going, you just know you're on. What, what, what are the, some of the triggers for you?
3: Um, the one word probably that springs to mind now is just there's this um, weird calmness that comes over the top of you. Like when you're having the best game that you, I can remember that I ever played, you've got this weird calmness and um, is it equanimity? Is that how you say it? I don't know, but it sounds very, there's very a, smart. There's a word. <laughs> Let me just look that up. <laughs> equanimity. It's the calmness in the chaos. Wow. Right? It sounds really deep, doesn't it? Love it. That, yeah, I know. I thought you it. That's our new world. I'm we're, glad I'm bringing no, something to <laughs> We're owning podcast. that word. <laughs> So and so when I and you know when I was playing a game, you want to be able to bottle it up because you know everything's just ticking along well, and you can't do a thing wrong, and the ball's kind of falling into your hands. And um, I remember being in a one of our premierships that we won for Melbourne Vixens, and um, you know we I think we were down by eleven goals in the third quarter, and I just knew we were okay. Wow. And but you can't always find that calmness, and I think I was. I was fortunate enough to recognise when I was in it that I would that we would be okay. But you've got to then pass it on to everybody Correct. else around you because yep. I think if you have like five out of seven on the court that have find that then you're okay. But if only one out of seven you know has it then you're probably not going to get through. Um, but it's being able to kind of share that moment, and so that's my favourite thing about being a leader in a team was that knowing that and believing that I was under control and I could, you know, play against my opponent, whether I was beating her or not, didn't matter. I would enjoy just making sure everyone else was okay and passing on kind of just the positive vibes. So how did
1: you do that? What was your, what was your go-to to to do that when you're playing in a certain part of the court, by the way, so it's not like you can get around them all the time. So Mm. how how did you do that?
3: Well, I think it's, it's in your body language. It's in what you say. It's in how you react. It's not, you know, not... For me, being a defender, the umpires are always against us and it's not reacting to that because it's the way you behave out there on court that shows signals to everybody else around you. So if I'm abusing the umpire for pulling me up for contact, then I'm then giving permission to every other player on the court to go, oh, well, Bianca did that, so that's okay. And it's such a terrible thing to see happen on on a a netball court in any sport when people are abusing the umpire. Sure, Um, I think it's just whenever there is a break and you're coming into a timeout that you're just standing there strong with your shoulders back just... Being okay with everything, just smiling simply when you're warming up for a game. So people don't think I'm the one worried about what's about to happen. And whether I am internally, it's like, you know, a duck with their feet underwater and going crazy. Sometimes that's exactly how I feel on the inside. But I know there's a value in me on the outside showing this calmness that gets the best out of people.
2: Absolutely sensational! I love listening to it. Like you've you've still got so much passion, in terms of it's like you're the, you're living it again, aren't you? When you when you're talking about it, and you can see and wonderful to hear things like posture and 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 those sorts of things of what you're giving off,
3: and even uh, how you say things. Yeah, like reacting and being really aggressive or really angry about a good or a bad thing, like that again showcases to everybody how you're actually feeling inside. So
1: in sport, it's always about momentum. When you hear it, you see it, you feel it, you just go, oh, they've got momentum now. They got how?" So it's one of those things, if we knew how to get it when we didn't have it, yeah. it would be awesome. Mm-hmm. If we knew what happens when we move out of it to get back into it, it would be awesome. If you had to have a stab, you know, has there been a game where it just hasn't been going well, everything you touch is not going great, How have you gone from that back into the flow? Has there been times when you can sort of pinpoint where you might have had a game, might have had a series, might have had uh, a period of form because form's temporary as we all know. Um, Yeah. There's times where you, if you're out of form, how do you get back into it? If there's people listening to this particular podcast at the moment who normally run on momentum and they can't find it at the moment, what are some of the things you do and did and still do to this day to get back into the flow?
3: Um, I knew – well, I work with a sports psychologist with the Aussie team and, you know, it wasn't really my thing and I didn't really care for sitting down with a psych and talking through things but – um, I, we are all made to have a half an hour appointment with this particular psych and he worked with the Brisbane Lions like through their premiership yep. era. And so he had a bit of cred. So I was like, all right, I'll sit down with you. <laughs> <laughs> just and a little bit of cred. Just yeah. a little bit. And his name was Phil Jauncey, and he worked with like the Australian, I think, cool. baseball team. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of him? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So I sat down with Phil and he was a bit quirky. He wasn't like your usual psych. So I was kind of right in straight away because I wanted to learn about this character. Um, and he spoke about Red Flag and he said, everyone, no matter what they're doing, has these red flags that show you that you're not in the right place or that you're not ready to perform and that it's sending your mind into a tears about what you're worried about. So then we, uh, those red flags for me, it took a while, like took like a whole day, I think, for me to start identifying them with him but I knew on the court when I became quiet that I was internalising everything, that I was so worried about wow. stuff it would take over So I had to force myself out of that and I could sometimes do that. I could – sometimes I just couldn't but I knew I had to – it was almost like that fake it till you make it and people hate that saying but I quite like it when I'm Mm. thinking about this because – I had to pretend I was confident and talk my way out of it because as a defender, I had to direct the play. So the louder I became, the more I got myself back into the game. Got
1: it. So shift the internal to the external. Yeah. And then that got you back into the groove of back in the game, got your head into the game, and then you could see someone do something. You could reinforce that behavior, and it got you back onto your game by default. Yeah,
3: and just encouraging somebody else and just being a voice. Even though sometimes those games, I was the most exhausted mentally because I had to force it so much. Much, but at least I got my performance back to a place where it was better than what mm-hmm. it was.
1: So most elite athletes, you know, are go getters. But you're, you're saying if you're a go giver, that set you up to give you the best chance. If yep. you're giving of yourself to your teammates, that gave you the best chance. Yeah,
2: that's that classic competitive spirit, isn't it? And that competitive edge that enables you to actually lead. That is that that is exactly what you're doing there by every action, every emotion, everything that goes into it, it's so much, not just the words that's coming out of your mouth, mm. but the body language and everything like that. It's really powerful
1: leadership messages that are coming through here. Absolutely. And Pete, we've got the benefit of being right in present with Bianca, but every time she's on a real touch point for her, you see her just light up. <laughs> she's, she's already bright and bubbly anyway, but I could just see as a teammate, I'd be just almost enthused just by being around her because that's what she radiates. And it's mm-hmm. you know really quite powerful. And another
3: her. one of my red flags was um, like the negative talk or whinging about something. Yep. <laughs> and then I became really attuned to when people were whinging about I don't want to train I don't want to do this you know we could be at Com games ready just won a gold medal and someone's whinging about having to wait out the back for half an hour before you get your medals like just rubbish like that yeah. that I became quite like if I joined in on that conversation it would take me into this little dark tunnel yep. of like you know just worrying about stuff I couldn't control and so even in life, whether it's work, whatever I'm doing, being around negative people really brings me down yeah. and I need to remove myself from that situation. Well, we
1: don't walk away from them, do we, do we Pete? We yeah. run. That's it. We just run away from yeah. them because we're winning or we're whining. I, I don't reckon there's anything more simplistic than that.
3: No, and there's a way to do it. Like there's definitely a way to have a conversation about something that we're not all happy with. But I think that toxic environment you create by just whinging all the time, it sucks people in and it's like these vortex that you can't get out of.
2: So on one side there's there's this awareness, this acute awareness of, of, of knowing, you know, what's going on around you and so forth. And the other thing is identifying that you've got choices. Mm. You have yes. a choice. You you choose who you spend time with, yep. you know, and then the people who either, you know, um, zap you and give you that power, mm. yep. that intense amount of invigoration, mm. or they zap you and they actually literally take your energy away. Yeah. Celestine Prophecy, I think one of the best books Ever. ever. It, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it really highlights the fact that, that, that we are energy people and when you walk away from someone, you, you say that, gee, I feel like my energy is really drained and so forth. Mm. It literally has been. Yeah. It literally has been drained. Mm. And so, I mean, this is why... I think you know for the listeners out there is make sure you're just spending time with people who do absolutely zap you, who invigorate you, mm-hmm. who make you think differently, who challenge you, mm. who want to you know help you get to the next sort of level. Because I think you know I I love you know the quickest way to to learn something is to teach it. Mm. So I, I love and I really enjoy the teaching side of things, and I know you do too. B, in terms of what you're doing uh, now in terms of your life post netball. But before we we move on post netball, tell us about a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games. What, what's, what's that like?
3: Well, I don't want to put a dampener on it, but <laughs> a, a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games is like the end of, like it's it's more relief than joy, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Because especially yeah. for us, a gold medal, as we'd always come up against New Zealand, and you know we get to a final, go into double overtime, we'd we'd usul- usually lose in com games, and we'd beat them in world champs. So. For me, that gold medal took 12 or 13 years to actually get. Wow. So, and because I'd been in and out of the team at one stage, got a silver medal and then finally we got our gold right at the very end, my very last game for (laughs) Australia. And to be honest, it is a whole lot of relief. Um, But it's, that you don't actually remember the game, you remember all the moments with the team and the girls. That's what makes me smile now about it, is just the stupid times that we had, whether it was sitting around the village trying to entertain ourselves between games or um, just afterwards and how we celebrated and the silly little things we did like that's the stuff that I love not so much the actual game like I never really go back and watch the games and think oh how great were we <laughs> <laughs> because I would rather look at photos of us like you know mucking around being silly before and after love so it's it.
1: a relief that you took advantage of the opportunity not that you missed the opportunity I guess is what I'm hearing yeah there. and just
3: like yeah we finally did it because you, you
1: you yeah, know, you had that rough time when you got sort of dropped in 2010 I think it was yeah and for the did, um,
3: new Delhi Com game which
1: you must have been gut wrenching and then you're probably thinking and it's not like you got straight back in again you had to really work hard to yeah, get back in. No so really put me under the pump. Again I just want you to see B that I've done my research. Uh, yeah, no, one do one research. no one loves the net No one loves the apple, Pete more than me. i am all yeah. over. Are
3: well,
2: right? you the number one ticket hold the Vixens? Uh, no I'm not. The mascot? Of mine may <laughs> <be the laughs> I maybe I, I could be the
1: mascot. <laughs> Thank you, B. Um, but just for those who are listening, you know what we've got this great resource here and we're we're really enjoying this but if you want to take some of the ideas that Bianca's been able to live by example she's got a great book called Game On that she wrote in collaboration with Lee Russell Game On by Bianca Chatfield and Lee Russell supercharge your career and build the life that you want not the life you think your parents want for you to have or what your <laughs> teachers expect for you to have what your coaches expect for you to have I don't think
3: my parents even know what I do now there like, we go. they've got no idea they're like you're too confusing you do yeah, all these things yeah. what are you,
1: Can you d- someone who just can't make a decision is what I'm seeing yeah. Yeah. one minute you're a reality TV star then a coach then a, you know, you're know you on the board of the you know, so many things but a great book a great resource and a great opportunity to sort of consistently take on these lessons because this podcast will be a good, you know, zap as Pete talks about. But if you want to have that sustained learning, you know, one of the things I find, if someone's a leader what they do, I find out everything about them and, and then try and learn their lessons and their organizing principles. And if you heard straight off the bat, what Bianca said was she looked for a, a, an example, someone who had a a model, if you will, of someone who was doing it really, really well. She didn't have to go too far, it was in her gene pool, it was her older sister, but from there she kept on looking for the win and the lesson and didn't spend too much time talking about the negative. I think, Pete, it's been a great session. So much content, we should actually follow up with uh, a part two series. Well,
2: <laughs> absolutely. I just enjoy so much tapping into the the, the brilliant mind of Bianca Chatfield. And love to uh, love to continue this next week because I think there's so much more that uh, and I hope she's willing to share and uh, <laughs> but because I know there's so much more that she can share in terms of you know and then maybe we'll go into a few little other areas as well in terms of uh, helping our listeners in certain key sort of parts of the lives as well so Bianca thanks and we'll um, you'll come back
3: Uh, absolutely I'll be back yeah
1: she has to be back because we've locked the room we've locked the door (laughs) she can't get out out, so she's not allowed (laughs) out and we've got her anklet on her as well so she goes too far beyond the ladies rooms we know that she's gone for the day so that's been episode 13 one of our better ones again if you like the content please share it with your friends and family who else could benefit from this particular information give yourself five
3: stars on the podcast give ourselves
1: that yeah we can give ourselves that people should give you that people people should give give us that So again, until next week, this has been Peter Kakos, the beautiful Bianca Chatfield,
0: and Rick Rushton saying thank you for joining us on Voices of Value. See you next week. We trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton and Peter Kakos. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be if you're keen to enhance the quality of your life even further in the future, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source. Our website is voicesofvaluepodcast.com, and we welcome both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice, and the value-added way.